Masechet Baba Kama Dafnun Dalid. The Mishnah mentioned a law that if an ox is carrying vessels or a donkey is carrying vessels and it falls into a pit um, and is injured, so the owner of the pit is responsible for the animal, the ox or the donkey, but is not responsible for the vessels, clay vessels, clothing that rips, um, uh, those uh, damages, one is not responsible um, if they are damaged in a pit. That is the law of the Mishnah. We're going to see a minority opinion that disagrees with that. And then we're going to look for sources for both of these opinions, a number of different possibilities for the source. So, The Mishnah disagrees with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda because in the Baraita, Rabbi Yehuda says that the owner of a pit is liable for damages on uh, vessels in a board. So the Buddha says, yes, that, uh, liable to damages for an animal or vessels, whereas the Mishnah, the Tanah the, uh, Tana of the Mishnah says, no, only for animals, not for vessels. My Tamad Rabbanan, what is the source of Rabbanan? The Amarikid Avanafal Shama, Shor O Hamor, Shor Velo Adam, Hamor Velo Kelim. The Pasuk right here that we've seen a number of times says, if someone opens up a pit, uh, or digs a pit and does not cover it, v'nafal shama shor o hamor. It gives examples of what can fall into it. So, um, does that mean only these two examples, an ox or a donkey? What about a horse? What about a bird? What about a human? What about a cup? Right, so we have to ask about all kinds of things. So um, this is really a good question about the Peshat. What what does it mean? Is it just giving a likely example or is it really limiting to specific types of things? Um, so this, the Rasha says, Shor uh, comes to exclude human beings. A human being is expected to watch where he's going and not fall down into a manhole uh, like in the cartoons. Um, and so one is not liable. And the word hamor, velo kelim, comes to exclude vessels. Um, the owner is not liable. Good. But the biuda, now what is biuda going to do uh, with this? Oh, lerabote takelim. Oh, he says the word oh, shor oh, oh hamor. Um, here, this uh, connecting word, shor oh hamor, the word oh, comes to include vessels. Good. Verabanan, rabanan, what do they do with the word oh? Oh, mi baile lechalek. We need oh. To teach me that um, these are two separate things. It's uh, really the word or. If you don't have the word or between and it says, then you think, I'm only liable as the owner of a pit if both an ox and a donkey both fall in. Um, then I'm liable. Otherwise, if only one falls in, not so. So I need the word or just for the normal reading of the sentence to say either this or that. says, no, I don't need the word or, because the word nafal is singular. So I know from the singular verb that it's it fell, and I know, so it's either either one of the animals. Can't you learn it from the singular verb? They say, no, even a singular verb, nafal, can refer to many things falling. There are actually a number of places in Tanakh where you have a singular verb referring to more than one thing, like here in Bemidbar 12, Miriam and Aharon both spoke, yet it says the verb, it's a singular and it's also a feminine, otherwise it would be Miriam and uh, so the Peshat here, although there's a lot of Midrashim, um, is that 
um, you can have a singular verb even though there are there is going to be more than one subject mentioned afterwards all right so um, that's how both of them deal with this pasuk fine this is a good conclusion we could stop here but the Gemara wants to introduce other possibilities of ways that we could read this and and related pisukim so why are you using that this miut right this and to exclude that we're using a method of miut why not read it as follows Emma I could read it as follows, if something falls in, if I had that word only, I would say anything that falls in. So that's a generalization. And then is a parat, is giving particular examples, details. Now, whenever you have a klal uprat, the that comes together to teach me only specifically only what is mentioned um in the examples which means only if an ox or a donkey fall in and nothing else this is the only two items that i'd be liable for so why don't i interpret the words that way instead of that way that we just did Amri Baal Habor Yeshalem Hazad Vekalal Kelal Ufratu Kalal Iatadan Ela Keein Haperat Ma Perat Mafarash Baale Chaim Afkol Baale Chaim. No, we uh, go on and says Baal Habor Yeshalem. It's uh, it's the next pasuk, but that's okay. So it says Venafal, which means anything that falls. And then it says short and Hamor giving two two examples. And this is Balabor Yeshalim. He will pay. Sounds like he will pay. Uh, he pays for anything. So whenever you have a Kalal Uprat Ukelal, that rule works by saying we're going to generalize from the examples things that have a particular aspect that they share with those examples. It's not only those two examples, but we have to figure out what's the defining character of those two examples and then anything else like that. So what's interesting about Ashur and Hamor? Well, they are both living beings. So too, any living being. So that's what it uh, comes to include. I have to pay for any living being. Um, now, if so, Wait a second, how do you know that that's the main thing that they have in common, that they are living beings, that they're animals? There's something else that's a smaller category that they have in common, which is that both an ox and a donkey, if they die, their carcass um, uh, can cause tum'ah to anyone that touches or carries the carcass. So maybe that's what they have in particular, any, not just any living being, but only any animal that has a halacha, that if it's its carcass, will impart tum'ah by touching or carrying, and that would exclude birds. Uh, birds only, uh, a bird carcass only um, imparts tum'ah by swallowing it, not by carrying it or or touching it um so uh, according to this um the, and this is not the halakha the halakha we know from a, a later mishnah is that one is liable uh if uh, as the owner of a pit both for animals and for birds all animals all birds um and so this would lead to a wrong conclusion but if you do how do you know that you should um uh, generalize it to all animals 
um, including birds, maybe it should be um, only these types of animals and not birds. No, if it meant to be a smaller category, then you know what? It would have said only one example, either short or hamor. The fact that it gives says two says expand it a little more and say not just uh, animals that cause tumah, but also uh, birds as well by adding another word. And then we say, wait a second, that wouldn't be really be practical to have only one example of an animal because which one would you pick? Either way, you would have an even smaller category that would be definitely be wrong. If it had only short, I would say only animals that are kosher animals that can be offered on the Mizbeach, um, those um, I am liable if they fall into my pit, but not any others, like a donkey, which uh, is not a kosher animal, cannot be offered as a sacrifice. Then, and so I would have, so I certainly cannot put short alone. If it said chamor, I would have said any animal that it has it has holiness if it's a firstborn. Chamor does, even though it's not kosher. That's why you have to redeem it and switch it with a se. But I might say any animal that has kedushat bechor, but not other animals that don't have kedushat bechor. And so if I had only one or the other, I would come to a completely wrong conclusion. So I need both just to teach me that these uh, categories are not correct. And so now I'm stuck because even with both of these, I don't know that I have to include all animals and birds. What these two have in common, um, birds are not included. And so you see the klalu pratu klal is not going to work because it's going to get to an improper, conclu- wrong conclusion. So rather we go back to the drawing board and we say, okay, well you had a, a, a derivation before, right? But hold on, why don't you instead learn it from this phrase, which is still uh, back here on this pasuk, that teaches me anything that can die. What can die? Animals, birds, they're alive and they can die. Um, and that would, uh, that would exclude, um, that would, that would exclude automatically vessels. Okay. So now if we accept this, Ben Rabbanan de Kamam it lehu kelim. Ben Rabbiuda de Kamar belehu kelim. Kelim benebita mita ninhu. So now this is going to bring a challenge to the original derivation that we had of short velo kelim. According to Rabbanan, why would you need that derivation? Because uh, uh, vessels are not alive to begin with. So I don't need to exclude them. Um, and certainly it will be a question to the Biuda who includes Kelim. Well, because if you include Kelim, but this over here says only things that were alive that can die. So, um, the, so this is, this would be a wrong derivation. Um, right, so can Kelim die? That they would be uh, even included in this in the first place? And the answer is, Amre Shividatan Zohimitatan. Yes, in fact, a vessel, even though it's not living and breathing and eating, but if it breaks, that's what you call its death, right? It is, it is a thing that can be usable and then be broken. That's the same as being alive and, and, and then being dead. And so therefore, like the shattered, let's say, you know, if it were, 
uh, if kelim were included, which they are according to the Biudah, you'd say as follows, this uh, thing that breaks, okay, the owner of the pit keeps the broken shards of this um, uh, of this uh, glass bowl. Um, if they're worth something, he can he can use them. So in fact, kelim could theoretically be included in this vehameti law, and the Biudah will say, yes, they're included, and the Banan will say, no, I need hamor velo kelim to teach me not so, um, so we're still okay. Now, Uladav Damar Bor Shechiva Alav Torah Leheblo Velo Habato Ben Rabanan Berabiuda Kelim Benehav Laninhu. And now we bring back a Rav who says that when the Torah says that one is liable for damage or death caused by a pit, that is referring to damage caused by its bad fumes and not for the impact of it. So according to Rav, we will have a challenge, whether according to Rabbanan, who says Kelim is out, or to Biuda, who says Kelim is liable. Wait, vessels, can vessels be damaged by fumes? Vessels can certainly be damaged by impact onto the ground. But since when is a vessel going to die because of bad fumes? And the answer is, yes, they can. Talking about new vessels, that if it's, in, it's still not, when it's still not used and heated up and, and uh, uh, many times, it's still not very strong, it's fragile, and strong fumes can break them. So yes, even uh, vessels can be uh, broken by bad fumes. Good. Now back to the derivation you just said, that we can derive these cat- the categories of what one is liable for in a, in a pit from that the carcass belongs to the owner of the pit. How can, and we said only for something that's alive that could be, that can die. Um, and that could, may or may not include vessels. <clears throat> but we have a question. How can you use for that derivation uh, to say the only things that are alive? Um, don't we need this already for the teaching of Rava that we saw yesterday? Um, that if an ox that is was consecrated, even if it was disqualified and it still has a level of holiness and cannot be used by for any purpose, and it fell, falls into a pit. The owner of the pit is not liable because the Pasuk says he keeps the carcass. He only is liable to pay in a case where he can keep the carcass. But if he cannot keep the carcass and use it for whatever he wants, then he does not pay. So we already used up this Pasuk for something else. So we cannot use it for to teach me that only animals and birds one is liable for but not other things. So rather, we're going to uh, derive it from this. Uh, that the owner of the pit will have to pay. What does that mean? Anything that is owned. Right? That's that, All that will be included. Alright, but the problem is if you use that, then it's too expansive. Even vessels, even people, anything that can possibly be owned. Well, that would include all those things, but we already know that Adam should be excluded and Kelim should be excluded according to Chachamim. Amar kera, shor velo Adam, hamor velo Kelim. Ah, that's why we need the deriv- the mi'ut that we started with, right? Shor comes to include humans and hamor comes to include Kelim. So we went through this whole exercise. We started with this der- with this derasha, but then we went through other possible derasha to see, well, how else could we arrange these pesukim and learn this otherwise? Either learn the, the same conclusion or arrive at a different conclusion. And so after going through all those possibilities, now we understand why um, this is the best uh, place to derive 
the uh, category of what what one is liable for in a pit. Okay, that's good for Rabbanan. That this derivation is good for Rabbanan, who say Kelim is out. But according to the Biuda, who says one is liable to Kelim, so then I'm okay with the Shor, that excludes a human. Everyone agrees to that. But Hamor, what is the word Hamor coming to exclude? To say, yes, this yes. You're liable for Hamod, but not what other category is it excluding? So the concludes that the word Hamod for the Biuda, we don't know what he would uh, what he would exclude from it. It's an open uh, question. And also another um, uh, case that not related to this at all is the word Seh with regard to a lost item. That's a pasuk here in Devarim that says, Lo et um, And there in Baba Metziah, it goes through each of these and says, why does it have to say Ashor? And why later on it says Hamor and Simlato and mentions all kinds of particular things. So what do you have to return? Only if I find my friend's donkey and and um, and clothing. What about other things? All right? What about his wallet and so on? And so it, it derives things from each of these words. But for Seyo, it has trouble figuring out what is say, the word Seyo coming to teach. And so Ravai here concludes that the word Se in that context Context, and for us, the word chamor in our context, if you follow the Bihuda, um, we do not know what these words uh, will exclude, and so these remain as difficulties. We now come to explain the final ruling of the Mishnah. If an ox of or that is um, uh, deaf or incompetent mentally or a minor, a child, uh, falls into a pit, the owner of the pit is liable. So, my what do these um, adjectives come to uh, describe? There's two ways to read it. It could be read, means an ox of a, that owned by a deaf person or an ox owned by a mentally competent person or an ox owned by a minor. In all those cases, if that person's ox falls into a pit, then the owner of the pit is liable to pay them. But that doesn't make sense because we then we would infer, oh, so if an ox is owned by a mentally competent person, then the owner doesn't have to pay? And that makes no sense. A person should have to pay no matter what the status of the owner is. So it can't be that. Rather, these adjectives are describing not the owner, but the ox itself. A deaf ox or a, a mentally incompetent ox, even for the level of mental competence an ox usually has, has this, a, this is an a even stupider ox. And a young ox, even though oxen, you know, from the time they're born, they can already start walking, um, but they're still quite a little unsteady. They're not used to the terrain. And uh, so in those cases, if it falls in, one is liable. Now we ask the same question. So that means a regular intelligent ox that falls in, the owner is not liable. This is, in fact, what we're going to conclude. But first, we're going to try out uh, see if that's really true. Says, no, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to derive from this that an intelligent ox 
One would not be liable if it falls in, but rather it's a speaking in in a style of not only this, but even that, right? And not only, and I don't even have to tell you regarding an ox that is smart that one is liable uh, for it, but even if the ox has some problem that it's uh, deaf or stupid or small, that young, that there I might say, oh, you look, listen, you know what, it fell in because it was deaf or because it was uh, uh, it was small. And that's what caused it to fall in. And therefore, the owner says, I'm not liable um, because uh, this uh, it, it didn't know what it was doing. It wasn't able to walk well, wasn't able to hear people saying, uh, get out of the way it wasn't smart and that's why it fell in it's not my problem you might have thought and that's why it has to say in particular for these examples the owner of the li- uh, the owner of the pit is liable but of course for an intelligent one one is also liable so maybe you could read it that way no you can't read it that way because actually we have a braita that says if a competent um, being, it doesn't say what, um, uh, uh, falls into it, one is not liable. My love short about that. So what is it talking about? Is it not talking about an ox that's intelligent? And it says, patur. So you can't read it in, in this way. That it's actually that for all everybody or all animals is hayav. Amar lela adam. So he says no, no. This baraita it doesn't say a short baradat. It just says baradat. We're talking about a human being, and the baraita is teaching me that a human being who's intelligent that falls into a pit um, then one would not be liable. Wait, according to that, specifying only an intelligent human being that falls into a pit, the owner would be not liable. But if he was not mentally competent, uh, a non mentally competent human being falls in, then the owner is liable. That's not true. We just learned. The owner of a pit is never liable to damage to a person that falls in. So so maybe when it says bendat in that in this beraita, um, uh, this one here, it's talking about a species that is an intel uh, that is intelligent, meaning the entire species of human beings that have intelligence. Um, if they fall in, one is patur. So no, you can't say that because we have another braita, right? Another variation of this braita, but this one has an extra word. And it says, if an ox that is intelligent falls in, one is not liable. So therefore you see that for sure, an intelligent ox is not liable. So that means the the uh, derivation that we inferred from our Mishnah, assuming it is talking about an animal that's not competent, was a proper der- derivation, and that's exact in fact what Ava says. Ela Marava, Shor Vehu Cheresh, Shor Vehu Shote, Shor Vehu Katan Davka. When the Mishnah says um, these types of oxen, it's it's in particular an ox that is deaf or an ox that is not competent or an ox that is young. In those cases, if they fall in, the owner of the pit is liable. Ava Shor Vehu Patur. But if it's an intelligent ox that falls in, the owner of the pit is not liable. Why? My Tama Because it should have watched where it's going. A normal animal 
um, can see that there's a pit in front of it and it's not going to fall in. Only if it has a deficiency, it will fall in. So if it, ha- if it can see by itself and nevertheless falls in, the owner of the pit says, not my fault, it should have it should have watched where it's going. Same way that a human being is expected to watch where it's going. And we have a, yet another Braita that backs up Rava's interpretation because it says that if an ox that had a deficiency of staff or mentally competent or young or a blind one or if any ox that's walking at night where it's hard to see falls in, then the owner of the pit is liable because he's the one that caused what was the ox supposed to do. Uh, but if it was a smart ox walking during the daytime, then it should have seen the pit. And if it didn't, wasn't looking where it was going and fell in, then the owner of the pit is not liable. That brings us to the next Mishnah, Echad Shor Echad Kol Behemah Lin Filat Ul Hafrashat Har Sinai Ul Tashlume Kefel Ul Hashabbat Abeda Lifrika Lachasima Lechil Ayim Ul Shabbat. This halacha that we stated before, that when it comes to falling into a pit, one is liable for any animal, and uh, including birds, as we're going to say in a second. This definition of when it says. Um, in other halachot also, it might mention shor or hamor, but in all these cases, it will include all animals. So this, the fact that it's a shor, not only a shor, but that includes all animals, and that includes domesticated, wild animals, kosher, not kosher, that is true for falling into a pit. It is also true for the, when the Torah says, at Hamad Har Sinai, make sure all the animals do not come close and touch Har Sinai, that includes all animals. And if a thief steals an animal, he has to pay double, that includes all animals. And if you uh, someone loses an item, one has to return it, that includes all animals. Um, if one sees an animal with a load that and is suffering under a sword, you have to help it out, that includes all animals. And any animal that is threshing, you may not muzzle it. That it that's true for all animals. Kilaim uh, is there's two laws of kilaim. One is that you can't have two different species work plow together because one is going to be strong and one weak, and that'll put put undue uh, pressure and uh, on the weak one, that will cause it suffering. Also, you can't cross breed different species. And on Shabbat, you're not allowed to make your animal work. Although in these contexts, sometimes it says shor only or hamor or behema, whatever it says, that includes all animals. Now, some of these categories include also vessels and humans uh, as well. It's not that these are all limited to to um, to animals like uh, falling into a pit is right. The other other things. The other categories do apply to humans and, and vessels and other things. But the point here is that when we say shor or animal, it includes all types of animals. And it also includes birds and non-domesticated animals. So we ask, then why does the Torah in these cases mention ox or donkey? Because it's giving a common example. These were the very common animals that were around, that were being used, that were carrying things, or that got lost, or that uh, needed muzzling, um, uh, or that would be crossbred. So these are just common cases, and that's why Torah mentions common cases. Shabbat also. These are work. Uh, these are work animals, <clears throat> and so that's why it gives these examples. But it doesn't mean to 
limit these laws only to an ox or donkey if it says that. So now we're going to derive, give a derivation for each item in the Mishnah. How do we know that animals that fall into a board, one is liable, and not just uh, a donkey and an ox that are mentioned in the Pasuk? Because the Pasuk also says that the owner of the pit has to pay to the owner. So pay means any item, and we saw already just in the previous suga that that's, this comes to include any items, and then it excludes humans, and according to Rabbanan, excludes uh, vessels as well from uh, shard or and, uh, and the word hamor. But otherwise, um, it will include all animals and birds. When it says that the mountain is holy, so make sure, Hashem tells Moshe, make sure to make a, um, a border around it so that no none will come close. And it says whether it's a behemah or a human, if it touches the Har Sinai, it will not live. So uh, that so you see behemah, that means any behemah, and wild animals are included in behemah. And the word im, extra word im, comes to include also birds. The Tashlume Kefel, if one is a thief, and then he has to pay back double. Um, that includes all these items. This basuk is in the context of a shomer. If a shomer is negligent and uh, steals something himself, and then the owner is found out, the owner identifies that's my item and you were stealing it, so he has to pay back double. And so it says called about any item. So you see that includes all items, including all animals and birds. La Shabbat Avedata um, uh, to return a lost item, although the pasuk mentions particular examples uh, like certain animals and uh, and clothing and so on, uh, but since the uh, the pasuk ends the chol anything that your friend loses, so that comes to include not just uh, a donkey and not just his clothing, um, but it comes to include any item. Lifri, and that would certainly include all. Animals and birds. To unload a, a donkey, the Torah says a donkey that's, um, that's uh, suffering under its load, you have to help it out and unload it. So it says Hamor there, but we make a Gezer HaShavad. It also says Hamor regarding uh, the prohibition of working your animals on Shabbat. And so just like regarding Shabbat, when even though it says Hamor, uh, one is not allowed to uh, work any of his animals on Shabbat, so Hamor means all animals in Shabbat, so the Gezer HaShavad teaches that for unloading an animal that's suffering also includes not only a donkey, but all animals. Is that if an ox is muzzle is threshing, you may not muzzle it while it's threshing. It's cruel that it can uh, eat a little snack while it's uh, working. And so then that law mentions Hamor, but here also we make a Gezer HaShavah, because regarding Hilchot Shabbat, uh, that you are not allowed to work your animals, it mentions not only Hamor that we just um, uh, talked about, but also mentions Shor. So just like the word Shor regarding Shabbat is just one example, but it includes all animals, so too any animal that is working for you and doing threshing, you're not allowed to muzzle it while it's working. Kilaim applies to two different types 
um, if it's talking about that you cannot uh, use two different species to plow at the same time. So then we'll uh, make a gezera Shavah of the word Shor to the word Shor on Shabbat. So ju just like you cannot work any animal on Shabbat, so too any two different species of animals, you're not allowed to have them plow together. And if it's talking about crossbreeding, well then we will also make a Gezerah Shavah, says the word Behemtecha in the context of crossbreeding, and it also says that word in the context of Shabbat, so just like for Shabbat, it means any animal, any bird, so too, regarding crossbreeding, it means any animal and any bird. Now, a lot of these items before, we derived from Shabbat, and that's why it's the last on the list. In, this, in the Mishnah, a board is the first on the list because that's the context of what we're talking about in this entire pedic, and then it goes in the order of Pesukim in the Torah, but it Ends on ends with Shabbat because that's the um, derivation of a lot of the items. So how about Shabbat itself? How do we know that um, all animals and birds one cannot work on Shabbat? So we have a good question. And noticing a subtle difference between the first set of Dibirot in Shemot and the second in Sefer Debarim. The first one, it just says, techa. That's it, just animals. But in the second one, it gives two examples of an ox and a donkey. And then it says, Vechol, all animals. So we're going to have to analyze each of these words. It has to mean something. So since it says, Vechol techa, why do I need to mention in Devarim also Shor and Hamor? That just uh, teaches us a general uh, dictionary definition, just like here regarding Shabbat, when it says, Vechol techa, so Kol techa certainly means any live, live being, any animal or any bird, and it equates that, puts it right next to Shor and Hamor. So from here we learn that anytime you have the words Shor or Hamor, with even not in the context of Kol Techa, Shor and Hamor mean Kol Techa. It's kind of giving you an equals, right? Shor and Hamor here equals Kol Techa. So therefore, anywhere else you find it, it also is going to mean any animal. Okay, this is very helpful because now this opens up these words to um, to bring the definition of kol Techa to all the other places where it were, where they are where they appear. So hold on. You just learned this as kol as includes everything, and shor are equal to everything. But who says that that's the proper way to read it? There's another way um, to you can apply a different exegetical principle of klal uprat uklal. Here, the klal is behemtecha, that's said in Sefer Shemot. Then the perat jumps to Sefer Devarim. This is unusual. Usually, klal to perat to klal are all within one pasuk or right two pasukim back to back. Here, it's jumping from one to the other, but it's justified because it's the same text. They're both aseret hadiberot. And so we're reading it as if we're conflating both sets of aseret hadiberot and making uh, into one, like as a wormhole that connects 
the pasuk and Shemot to the one in Devarim, so as if it's right next to it. Okay, anyway, so it says Behemtecha as a Kalal. Then it says Shorcha and that is an example detail. Kalal uprat en bakalal ela ma she baprat. Um, so, Shor Vachamor In, Ani La. La, if we just read the Klal and then the Prat, without the, right now, without the Chol Techa, so the rule is Klalu Prat is only those examples. And so therefore, therefore, we would say, one is only not allowed to work his ox and his donkey on Shabbat, but you can work any other animal and any other bird on Shabbat. Would that be a proper derivation? No. So since the Kobem Techa has a generalization again, so then we say this is general, detail, general, and then we look at what's um, a significant characteristic of the details and we'll expand generalize from that. Just like short and hamor are live beings, animals, so too any live being, any animal and any bird would be included. So this is another way to come to the same derivation we had before, but this one doesn't work as well, because No, maybe the common denominator between ox and a donkey are that, is that in both cases, their carcass imparts tum'ah, both by touching it and by carrying it. So maybe any animal that imparts tum'ah by touching or carrying it is what you're not allowed to work on Shabbat, but birds that do not impart Tumah in that way, uh, one would be permitted to work birds on Shabbat. Um, so that would come to an improper conclusion. Hold on, we can save our Klal Upratu Klal, because um, if it was teaching just that um, uh, that animals that become t- that cause tum'ah um, are not you're not allowed to use, uh, but not birds. Well, then it would have said only one word in the detail, either short or hamod. But the fact that it says both says, you know what? Include a few more things. Include another layer of categories that will include birds. But then we say no, that doesn't work. Which one would, if we had only, if we could say only one, which one would we pick? If it only had the word ox, I would say only animals that are similar to an ox and that they can be sacrificed. But that would exclude any non-sacrificial animals that you could work them. Uh, so certainly that is not true. So the Torah has to say chamor, which is a, non, a non-sacrificial animal. But if it had only chamor, I would say animals that are holy as firstborn, those are included, and you can't use work on Shabbat, but any other animal that does not have the law of Bechor would not be included. So that's not true either. That's why I need Shor to tell me that it's uh, referring to all animals. So you see that we cannot learn one or the one or uh, with, for, with just one word, and uh, we could conclude therefore that the common denominator is 
only animals where the nevelak imparts tumah, but that would exclude birds, and then we would get to the wrong conclusion. So we're not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work well if we assume a klal uprat uklal. So therefore, we reject that. Ela Instead of using klal prat uklal, we're going that's the klal prat uklal associated with Rabbi Ishmael. Instead, we're going to use the other system that's associated with Rabbi Akiva of ribui and miut, and we're going to say the word the vechol particle is an inclusive word, and that will include all types of animals, including wild animals and birds. And then we say, hold on, every time it says call, does that mean we assume that we're using a riboy? And not, uh, and not klalu pratu klal, vagabai maser diketiv kol, vekadashina ne biklal uperat. Regarding maser sheni, that you have to bring to the Yushalayim, or you can redeem it for money and bring the money to Yushalayim, and what can you buy with the money? That pasuk, we, has the word kol, and yet we apply a klal upratu klal, as seen here. The Tanya v'nata takes bechol ashit tevei nafshecha kilal v'abakar basun bayam dashgar perat bechol ashit bechol ashit yishalacha nafshecha chazar vekalal. When you redeem maaser sheni with money, you bring that money to Jerusalem, and you could buy anything you want. Anything that sounds like a generalization, and then it gives examples of. Uh, big uh, kosher animals and small kosher animals and wine and uh, uh, and uh, um, alcoholic drink. And so those are specific examples. So, but it's not, is it only that? Then it says anything you want. So that's a klalu pratu klal. Klalu pratu klal. Ea tadan ke'en aperat. Ma'aperat mefrash peri me peri vigidule karka. Avko peri me peri vigidule karka. We learn that it's not only that these four items are what you could buy, but rather you could buy anything that is produce of produce, meaning it grows from something else that is also a growth. And furthermore, it has to some, be something that grows from the ground, that certainly includes fruits and vegetables, also animals that eat from the ground and that are, are born of other animals. Um, and so you can buy food items like that and animals. Um, and so that's the that's what it comes to include. So we see here is that even though it says the word kol, uh, in the in the kol asher tev tish alecha nafshecha, also here bechol asher tev nafshecha. Still, we treat the kol as part of a klalu pratu klal, and we do not assume that the word kol is going to be a ribui as you just did. So, what's the difference? A couple of answers. One, amre bechol kelala kol ribuya. Maybe in Masesheni it says bechol over here, and also bechol. That's why when it says bechol, you assume it's part of a klalu pratu klal. But call by itself, as it says in our case, Bechol Behemtecha in the context of Shabbat. So here, it's, since it's not Bechol, but rather just Chol, that's why it's a Ribui, and then that works well. That's one answer. Ibetema Kolnamekelalahu. Or you could say, even the word Chol without a bet can be used in the Klal Pratu Klal. Miuhai Kol Dehacha Ribuyahu, Medavalel Mechtav Ubehemtecha, Kedichti Bedibrot Arishonot, Vechtav, Vechol Behemtecha Shmamina Ribuya. But here it's clear that it's a Ribuy because it could have said just Ubehemtecha as it says in Sefer Shemot in the first appearance of the Ten Commandments. 
Um, since it says in Devarim Vechol, so then that's, that has a special significance. Notice because we have two parallel texts, and one just says Ubem Techa, and the other one says Vechol Bem Techa, that makes the call stand out. Say, you know, learn something from me. I'm coming to include something. And that's why here in particular, we're not treating it as part of a Klalupratu Klal, but rather by itself to as an inclusive category to say, any animals, including all animals and birds. Okay, fine, we accept that. But now that you said that the word call is a riboy and comes to include regarding Shabbat, all animals and birds, that you can't work any of them on Shabbat, then why do I need anything else? Why do I need the word behemtecha in the first set of commandments? And why do I need the words shor and chamor in the second set of commandments? And the answer, we already are set up to appreciate from the beginning of this sugya, amre shor lagmure shor, shor lahasima. We need the word shor to be available to for the gezerah Shabbat to teach me that I'm not allowed to muzzle any animal, not only an ox, but any animal that is working. Hamor, like more hamor, hamor lifrika, and hamor in regarding Shabbat, I need that as an extra word to be available, so I can make a gezera Shabbat. That also, when it says hamor for helping out a donkey that's suffering under its load, I have to help not only a donkey but any animal. Behemtecha, behemtecha, likil ayim, and I need the word behemtecha in Sefer Shemot, uh, in the Ten Commandments there, to be open and available so I can learn that also regarding kilayim, um, uh, crossbreeding, I can't, uh, crossbreed any two animals. Yachi, afilo adam litasar. Now we ask, hold on. So maybe, um, since human beings also are included in the prohibition of Shabbat that you can't work, should they also be pro, pro uh, included in the prohibition of um, of plowing together, uh, that an animal and a, and a human couldn't plow together, but that's not true. The Mishnah Kilaim says that if you have an animal pulling something and the human wants to help out, that's permitted for a human and animal to plow together. That's not called Kilaim. So um, why don't we, if we're learning from Chot Shabbat, why don't we make uh, that uh, that part of the Gezer of HaShavah and say anyone that cannot work on Shabbat, including humans, also then uh, cannot plow together. Papa says that one of the papunyas uh, knows the answer to that, and uh, in particular, that's Ravacha Bar Yaakov, who said, Amar Kira, Leman Yanuch Abdecha Vamatecha Kamocha, Lanacha Hikashtiv, Velo Ledabar Acher. The Pasuk says um, that you should keep Shabbat so that your slaves and maidservants will um, rest like you, together with you on Shabbat. This is the great equalizer. Everybody rests, the boss, the, the workers, the slaves, the animals. But this means that in what way, and where, where are they similar? Where are the humans similar to animals? Only regarding resting on Shabbat. So this comes to say that humans and animals have the same uh, prohibition on Shabbat, but not regarding other matters. So it, it says that the similarity is only for Shabbat, but when it comes to uh, kilayim, uh, working together there, the prohibition does not apply. And if a human wants to help out with an animal in plowing and working together, then that is permitted. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.